Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Appreciate our next guest uh, for waking up early as well, and that's uh, Gracie and Grayson. Pontius, Grayson, I appreciate you joining us this morning on the Nick Brown Show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I tell you, I've known your dad for years, and I know your brother, and you're on this show because you uh, you play my favorite position in all of football, and that is a kicker. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a great position. Now you got much better hair that, uh, than I do, as everyone can see. If we're going to talk about in the uh, Netflix series, but you kicked for East Mississippi Community College last season. Now kicking for uh, a Marshall, and I think it was appropriate that uh, John Tabor played a little Johnny Cash because sometimes you feel like that out in Scuba, Mississippi. So let's talk, let's talk about. Uh, Scuba, Mississippi, and what it was like playing for East Mississippi Community College. Well, honestly, Scuba, Mississippi wasn't uh, the best place in Mississippi, but that's where I met some of my best friends, played some really good football, and of course had the chance to get out of there and go to a bigger Division One school. So, I mean, it wasn't too bad for me, but it wasn't my first choice, and if I had a chance, I probably would have gone somewhere different, but I'm still happy I went and happy I had the opportunity to play there. So, You know, uh, Grayson, one thing uh, you know, I've been watching and all our listeners have been watching the uh, Netflix documentary on Last Chance You, and you were a part of that. In fact, I uh, saw a couple of appearances uh, of you. I'm going to ask you about that, but how close to reality you know, we watch these reality television shows, and we watch the Duck Dynasty, uh, which is in our area in North Louisiana. But when we watch this, how close to reality when we're watching this is it? Watching that was watching them be 100% real. I mean, that's how the guys acted every day, all day. Um, I mean, of course, there were some guys that kind of had to show out for the camera. But other than that, once they got used to it and used to the cans being around. I mean, that was exactly how it was there. I mean, there was no scripted, nothing like that. I mean, it was all 100% real. So it was really cool to see how it turned out and how the guys acted when not everybody was around. So, well, you know, and, and there's some characters that we have met. Talking to Grayson Pontius, uh, he was a kicker for East Mississippi Community College, featured in the Netflix series Last Chance You Now kicking for the thundering hurt of Marshall, but there are a lot of characters that we met, and I think one that your heart really goes out for is uh, Ronald Ollie, and, and how close were, were you and Ronald? I know being a kicker, you know, maybe not that close to the defensive line guys, but when you're in school in Mississippi, do you develop bonds with these guys? How close were you to uh, Mr. Ollie? I called him Ronald. Everybody called him Ollie, but I like to call him Ronald. He was probably he was one of my good friends up there, him and um, Marcel Angry, one of his good friends. They were kind of, so I was closest to them. They were good buddies. It's kind of weird to see them blow up on social media. And I was checking last night. He's got 
10,000 something followers now on Twitter. I mean, he's never been a big social media guy, so that's kind of cool to see him get more exposure. And I mean, hopefully that helps him out with recruiting. I mean, hopefully he can get a big offer to Nickel State, him and myself. So it's really cool to see all them kind of get their names out there like that and have their stories told. So. But yeah, and watch it, Dr. Grayson Pontius kicker for East Mississippi Community College. Did you know that his, both his parents were deceased, or is that something that the other players were told, or did you guys learn that through watching the uh, watching the series just like we did? Um, I actually found out a little after the season. I don't think everybody knew. I actually found out from one of the coaches who were uh, riding in the car, and he was telling a recruiter about it, and. We talked about it after he got off the phone, so that was kind of, I don't think everybody knew about it. I think I was kind of one of the select few, I guess, that knew. I mean, I never talked to him about to him just because that's a really personal thing that I never wanted to bring up, but I kind of knew about that, and that kind of brought me closer to him, I guess, in a sense. Well, Gracie, one, one thing that, that I've watched, I apparently and really has become to me, in my opinion, the glue that holds everything in Scuba, Mississippi together, and that is the academic advisor and Brittany Wagner, and the job that she does is just absolutely incredible, and it's great that that is documented in this series. Mm-hmm. I love Miss Brittany. She was kind of, I never had an academic advisor before, and going to her, I mean, I could ask her whatever, talk to her about whatever, and if there's a teacher I needed help with, I can always get a hug, and of course, I never had to worry about grades that much, and I was never in there with her, thank God. But um, all the other guys, you know, as you can see, weren't doing so good in class. And, I mean, she did everything she could to help them out. So I'm forever thankful for her. And, and, and she certainly, uh, and we're talking to Grayson Pontius, uh, kicker for now for the Marshall Thundering Herd as he spent his one year at East Mississippi Community College. But I want to talk about some things that, uh, Grayson, as you've gone to East Mississippi Community College and now have left after one year, did you have that same mindset? Uh, I know it was portrayed more with uh, John Franklin III that basically I'm here, I'm doing my time, and then, I, then I'm getting out of here. Was that pretty much the attitude of, of all players or just some? Because that was one of the parts that everyone coming in, you're, you're here to get out. Yeah, you know, and that's what I do a lot. I mean, honestly, John Franklin, he, I love the dude. He, uh, he's a completely different guy off camera. I guess he just kind of wanted to show off cameras or something. But I love the dude. He's a great guy. He seems really cocky on camera, but that was really different. But he was 100% right in saying you go there to get out. I mean, that's when they recruited me. Coach Stevens said, look, we recruit you for one year. And that's it. He said, you come in, hopefully leave in December. If not, leave in May. He said, you come in, you get recruited, we win, and then you leave. So that was definitely true by saying you leave as soon as possible, basically. Now, you spent one year kicking, is that correct? One year at East Mississippi? Yes, sir. So you were one year, okay, one and now going to Marshall. I want to say the one thing that, uh, now this is a uh, this is a reality series that I do not watch with the children in the room. Uh, <laughs> now, it seemed to be that the, uh, is, I'm just going to ask you straight up, was the language always that rough that we, that we saw in the, uh, in the series? 
Yeah, you know, I've gotten asked that a lot. My little buddy, he texted me the other day and asking about it. And I mean, that wasn't even the worst part, honestly. There's there's more locker room meetings where he's just going on a rampage, and it's not even him, and it's kind of every coach. And you just kind of learn to let it go in one ear, out the other. And like uh, Wyatt Roberts, the quarterback, said, one of the said, said, what's up, I've been cussed out for? It's just kind of, it's something you get used to, I guess. You know, uh, certainly, and, and you know, it was, it's interesting to watch, and I enjoy watching all the coaches. Of course, the new coach Trickett when he played at West Virginia. But tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about the the offensive coordinator, one guy that uh, Marcus Wood. Uh, I enjoy watching him on the in the series as well. Coach Wood is a guy that I will never forget. Uh, a coach that I'll never forget. He's probably one of the most inspirational, best coaches I've ever had. Um, I could go to him, whatever. I could joke with him. If I had a problem, I could go to him. Family problems, any type of problem. You know, I, will, I will forever love that guy, and I'll always keep in touch with him. And He's, he's probably one of the best coaches I've ever had, no doubt. We're talking to Grayson Pontius. He was a kicker for East Mississippi Community College last season, now going to go on and kick for the Thundering Heard of Marshall, and you could see uh, Grayson in a featured in the uh, the Last Chance You. It's uh, on Netflix reality series. Now I must ask you when I first got familiar with you. I- I've known your brother Taylor, and I've known your dad. But it was interesting to watch uh, referring to uh, you were trying to sneak a girl out of your room. Is it really a three hundred dollar fine? <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, the coaches didn't care. They were to they would care if the cops caught me, but. My mom called me. Um, I hadn't watched it yet, and she called me, and she said, so did you get a $300 fine? I was like, what are you talking about, Mom? She said, you got a girl sneaking out of your room, and I just kind of chuckled at her. It's just, it's, that's uh, definitely been a main focus for me. I've had so many guys uh, Snapchat me and call me and text me about it. So that was my claim to fame right there. There, there you go. Now, was it, but it, was, it, was it really a $300 fine if you were caught by the police? Yes, there was three hundred dollars per person. So they they definitely tried to get you to stay in there with only guys. So all right, now I want to move. Now I want to talk about you because uh, you come from a family of kickers. Is that who's a better kicker, you or your brother? <laughs> I get that question a lot, and honestly, I think I think I'm finally catching back up to him. He, uh, of course, he's older, so he always had the upper hand. But I think one. Finally, that I'm getting older. I'm starting to catch up to him. So now you it's kick just for time for having. Now you kick for Biloxi High. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Is it going to be a culture shock leaving the coast of Mississippi? Now you weren't too far away from the coast in Scuba, but now going to uh, to Marshall to kick for the Thundering Herd. How are how are you going to adjust being away from the Magnolia State? Yeah, you know it was kind of hard. I went up there to, uh, all of June off up there and. It was hard then, but now I'm not going to be home until after Christmas time at the bowl game. So it's it's different up there. It's not too bad. It's just kind of you see mountains wherever you go. It's not looking out and just, oh, there's the goal. So that's definitely the hardest part Not is not seeing water and being away from the family and the girlfriend. And it's going to be tough, but you got to make sacrifices and you got to do what's best. So. Well, Grayson, I appreciate you joining us today. I know you're packing up and getting ready to leave, but I know that you've already got uh, 
October the 29th, uh, circled on your calendar, you will get to return to M.M. Mm-hmm. Roberts Stadium uh, in Hattiesburg. Yes, sir. It's, uh, it's kind of funny because it's Southern homecoming, but it's kind of a homecoming for me coming back to Mississippi. So I'm excited to get down there, and I've got a bunch of buddies from the East that play for Southern, and it's going to be good to kind of rekindle that flame with them. And Well, uh, good luck to you. Tell your brother and your dad that I said hello, and I appreciate you uh, joining us this morning on the Nick Brown Show, and good luck kicking for Marshall this season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. That was uh, Grayson Pontius. He kicked for East Mississippi Community College. And you can watch and see Grayson, I believe, in Episode 2. It's uh, Last Chance You. It's on uh, Netflix. Real good look at, uh, at junior college football in the state of Mississippi. Glad to have in uh, head coach of my favorite Division Two team, the Delta State. I call him the Fighting Okra, but uh, Statesman is the official mascot coach. Todd Cooley, appreciate you joining us this morning. Appreciate y'all having me. I tell you what, Coach, I'm looking over, and, and I love uh, picking up Lindy's magazine because I read it uh, all the time, and, and the thing about Lindy's that I like is that they they do pick Division Two, and they have the top 25, and I look over your schedule. The Gulf South Conference is always a tough conference, uh, one that's uh, tougher than most in Division Two. No doubt about it. Tough leagues every year. Always a bunch of ranked guys, always uh... – I think last year we had four teams ranked in the national top ten before the season started. That's pretty common in our league. Yeah, it is, and I think that one thing about it, that makes uh, makes your job a little bit tougher if you would kind of have the, the SEC of Division Two, if you will. No doubt, but you know what? It's a lot of fun. I mean, you have to play extremely well every week in our league. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and our schedule, I mean, it's front end loaded, and then it just kind of stays rough throughout. I mean, it's just the way it is. So you've got to be playing your best football, and it's a lot of fun. It's just like the SEC is a lot of fun. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and that's what, uh, that's what makes it. Uh, you, you always got to compete in our league, and it, that's what makes it interesting and it makes it really exciting for our fans. I want to talk about uh, talking to Todd Cooley, head coach of Delta State. And, Coach, I want to ask you about uh, – Game two on the year. It's not enough that you play a tough uh, conference schedule. you got to bring in that group from uh, Texas A&M University Commerce. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I want to look over the first one. You never look over the first one. But that second one, that one's going to be a big one in Cleveland. Yeah. That's, that's a big game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, second one at home. You know, last year we went down there uh, week two and played them at their place and were able to get out of there with a 51-44, just shoot out victory, just held on at the end. But uh, they're a great football program. Uh, they were they picked to win their league preseason. And it, it ought to be a heck of a ball game September 10th in Cleveland, Mississippi. You know, and one thing, Coach, you're, you're exactly right. And I think that's one, as last year, uh, dropped off a, a little bit, Coach, uh, on what – uh, in your uh, third year at Delta State, you were seven and three the first year, nine and two in year two, but uh, dropped down to six and six in year three. So find yourself outside the top twenty-five. But I think that's going to be a great opportunity for the statesman to, uh, to get back in the top twenty-five. I, 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 there's no doubt about it. I mean, we it's been you know in thirteen when we came in, we we kind of didn't get picked where we should. We played for a conference title, and then in fourteen we won a conference championship. And like you said, we were. Maybe a preseason number one or number two last year in our league, and and ended up, uh, you know, had, had one of those years. But I tell you what, Nick, it's going to help us. It's helped us have a better off season. It's helped us have a better summer, and we kind of like it. You know, we're in the Delta. We got a lot of good hunting around here anyway, and we like being the hunters rather than the hunted. So 
we're going to get to go hunt again. And, hey, that's kind of where we like to be, under the radar and just operating. But I know we've got a really good football team. I know we've got a hungry football team, and uh, we've had a really good summer. And we're just ready to crank it up next Thursday to practice one. Well, Coach, let's talk about Ty Cooley, head coach of Delta State. What can we expect from the statesman offensively? You're one that doesn't like to uh, slow it down. Is there going to be any change, or we're going to be uh, up-tempo? What's the offense going to look like this oh, season? Oh, no, we, we play, we're going to continue to play fast. There's no doubt about it. I think, I think what people are going to be interested to see if they saw us this spring is, you know, it's not as much of just uh, four wides. You know, we've got some good tight ends on our campus now, some good running backs, uh, probably the biggest offensive line we've had since I've been here. But we still are going to play fast. I mean, if it's uh, if it's over three words in a play call, we usually don't we don't run that play. I mean, we try to snap it as fast as possible, and we feel like that gives us an advantage. And we feel like if we can run the ball better than what we have, and we feel like we can, then that's just going to uh, you know add add our advantage over over our opponents because we're going to grind them down a little bit easier. All right, now I want to turn over to the defensive side uh, sure. of the ball. We're going to have a uh, three-man front, four-man front. What's our defense going to look like? This well, you season? know, we changed. We changed. Uh, we made a we made a change in our defensive scheme. I made a change in our coordinator position at the end of last year after the season's over. And actually, uh, the guy that I promoted, defensive coordinator Lanier Goethe, is now uh, Coach Holtz got him over there at Louisiana Tech. So I know he's going to do a great job. But we were lucky enough to hire Raleigh Jackson uh, from Arkansas Tech University, which is where I played. Uh, Raleigh played at the Citadel, and he has been a doing a great job as a coordinator for Arkansas Tech. And we are going to a four-two-five defense. I really, really like it. I think it fits our personnel, makes us a little more sound. Uh, and I like practicing against a four-man front. I think it makes your team more physical. I think it makes your offense more physical. And uh, that's what we're trying to get to, uh, as well as continue to play fast. And had a great spring defense. Uh, our players picked it up really, really well. And uh, we're excited about where we're heading defensively. Uh, certainly, as Gage talking with Ty Cooley, head coach of Delta State, the statesman. And, Coach, I'm going to make it to a game this year. I said I was going to do it last year, didn't get a chance. I'm looking to make that September 10th game. But every time I've made the trip to Cleveland, a very right. special community, very special community, and what you guys no have there. I-, I like the way it's almost like the entire town shuts down when you have a football game. There's no doubt about it. You know, we're, we're – we're, if you haven't been to a game at Delta State, you need to come. It's an unbelievable environment. We have a total support from our community. Uh, probably the only place I've ever seen where people are, are actually allowed to tailgate in the game, inside of the stadium in the levee area, uh, which has gotten really, really huge through the years. And, uh, you know, we're one of the top in Division II football as far as attendance goes. And September the 10th, we ought to have a, a great crowd there. And then uh, – Obviously, uh, that'll only feed if we get on further into our conference games. It just, it just sets up to have great, great season, and we love playing at home. Uh, we love playing in front of our fans and, and have unbelievable support. And, and and you know one thing I like about it, Coach, you even dip down into uh, North Louisiana uh, on your recruiting front. So it's certainly. Like oh, there's that no doubt you. about it. I mean, we got a young man right there from Ruston, Quayshawn Thurman. Excited about him coming in. Uh, really excited about him. We got three guys that are projected possible starters from Franklin Parish uh, High School there. Uh, we got a young man that played at Carroll that's going to be a senior, played at Hines, named Aaron Brown from Monroe. Uh, got a young man we just signed out of Parkway this year, Lloyd Cole, really excited about him coming up. We got another young man that played at, at Farmerville, I guess it's Union Parish now, and he played over there and he's going to be a junior force defensive tackle. So 
we know how to go down to North Louisiana. That's some great football around I-20, and we are always going to go recruit there because it's only about two and a half to three hours from it, you know. And we feel like we've had a, a good stretch with some good players out of there, and, and they can go back and tell their buddies, hey, this is where you need to come play, uh, and uh, we're excited about that. Well, Coach, I, I certainly appreciate you joining us. I look forward to seeing you uh, September 10th uh, when the uh, statesmen take on Texas A&M Commerce. But good luck this season, Coach. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on this morning. Y'all have a great day. All right. All right. That's Todd Cooley, head coach of Delta State. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. With you here, the group Alabama, that means we're headed to Alabama to talk to Hueytown's favorite son. That's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm doing great, Nick. Hope your uh, trip back from uh, my backyard to yours was a good one uh, in the last couple of days. I want to tell you something real funny because we're getting close to college football, and of course, when you're in the Birmingham area and Talladega area, that area is highly, uh, let's just say they root for the Crimson Tide quite a bit, and there you see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, bumper stickers, car tags, shirts. Well, this morning I come into the depot at a ministry of First Baptist Church Coffee House, located at 211 West Railroad Avenue in downtown Ruston, and they have a guest speaker during a training session from Birmingham, and that's script A. Lynn, Alabama fans follow me everywhere I go. They're <laughs> everywhere. They're like gremlins. You just, but interesting, and I'm going to get her name, the uh, lady whose husband is doing the conference, training people that minister to college students, actually did some radio work for high school football in the Birmingham area. So kind of interesting, too. So a real small world that we live in. Cool. Hey, I, you know, as much as I travel over the, you know, around the country for, for Lindy's and, and over in Europe for my mission work, um, it's amazing uh, how how the Southeastern Conference is everywhere. Of course, really, you find college football fans everywhere as well, but uh, I, I never take a trip like that when I don't find Southeastern Conference uh, football fans. So uh, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll make the joke when I say them, man, they're, they're everywhere, they're everywhere, and, and they are. But, and I will say that the winning that uh, Bear Bryant certainly enjoyed at the University of Alabama, the, the older folks, I moved to Louisiana, and then uh, three houses down, there's an Alabama flag uh, hanging from the neighborhood just around the corner. There's another uh, an older gentleman from Mobile with an Alabama flag. So I always joke that Alabama fans are like gremlins, old movie, you just add water. And, well, you, and you can always tell their age by the ones that have houndstooth or the ones that have no idea what houndstooth is about. And you know what? Both of these flags have hounds too. So you there you correct. go. You, when you told me there were older people, I knew they would. Now I want to I want to start talking about uh, the University of Alabama right off the bat because one thing you, know, you often hear, and it's that time now before college football starts. Talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in Birmingham, but this entire soap opera that is going on with players, Lynn, you have covered college football for decades, a long and, time. Now. In the beginning, did you have players leave? Like when you first in its infancy and you were covering and Bear was at Alabama and Chuck Jordan, uh, Vince Dooley was at Georgia. And I know we didn't have the social media, so we did. Did you know about players that left Alabama and wanted to go somewhere else? How did it, I mean, how did it work? I mean, you just didn't hear well, about it, it. Yeah, I mean, you did have them. I mean, there's, there's no question you had them. Uh, I, I can name you one uh, from each, uh, Ralph Brock uh, from Jones Valley High School. Uh, in Birmingham, when he ended up being all-pro in the Canadian League, he was Dieter Brock, but he came to Auburn and transferred to Jacksonville State, was a, a All-American at that level at Jacksonville State, goes on to the pros, changed his name to Dieter, and he's an all-pro in the CFL named Dieter Brock. 
Uh, Alabama had a player named Sammy Gelderstadt, uh, who was a high school All-American uh, back back in the days when you didn't have uh, five stars and uh, and USA Today didn't exist. And uh, you know, so you're an All-American in a different way. He's from Tampa uh, and uh, was considered uh, one of the best defensive players in the country. He comes to Alabama, is not happy there. Uh, goes to uh, goes back to play for the University of Tampa, which is where Freddie Solomon also played. They don't even have a team anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there is a University of Tampa. I've ridden by their campus, but they don't they don't play football. So yeah, and I could I could probably think of some other schools that had the same situation. But Alabama and Auburn both had uh, had players that would come and transfer, but you didn't have it uh, as often, didn't have it as frequently, um, and uh, you also though didn't have. Uh, coaches changed like they used to. I mean, there was a greater loyalty there, uh, just like in Major League Baseball. You know, you had you had guys used to play for the Yankees for 15, 20 years, and, and now uh, sometimes you have players play for teams for 15 or 20 months. So one thing I think was just the, the way the landscape was at that time. And uh, one thing that's changed is because uh, that you're now allowed to do the graduate transfer thing. And a number of the guys that are your transfers are, uh, are graduate transfers. And guys are going to get playing their senior year somewhere else. So the the rules have changed, and I think the general landscape has changed. Well, you know, it has. But you have the players that were the graduate transfers, and normally you don't hear about anyone blocking. Louisiana Tech is certainly taking advantage of that. Years ago, Taylor Bennett left Georgia Tech and came to Louisiana Tech and played. Then you have Jeff Driscoll. Now it's almost like a case, Florida. They didn't really mind Jeff Driscoll leaving and going to Louisiana Tech because, number one, they weren't going to face Louisiana Tech, and I'll be quite frank this morning, they didn't feel any threat by Louisiana Tech, and so Driscoll was allowed to leave. But in the case of Maurice Smith, wants to transfer to Georgia, and that has been blocked uh, by the University of Alabama, and so he cannot go, and so you see this kind of ugly cycle but Kirby Smart, I certainly wanted to bring him in, who, co- who coached at Alabama for years under Nick Saban. Now, they really can't complain because they had a running back that wanted to leave and go to Miami where Mark Rick was now coaching, but they blocked that. So it's just, it's just kind of, to me, I think if you're going to allow graduate transfer, should you say, you know what, you can't block them at all? Well, there needs to be consistency is the thing. If you want to, if you want to say, okay, you cannot go to another team in our conference, or to a team that we have to play that's on our schedule. I understand that. I understand why a coach, why an athletic program, would not want to spend all this money educating someone, spend all this money training him and giving him uh, the, the learning that he has, the technique and all, to play, and then for that to turn around and go against you uh, in, your, in your same conference or, or against somebody that, you, you know, that, that you're going to play. So I understand that. The problem I have with it is the consistency, is that, if you're going to do it, then apply it across the road, across the across the board. If you're not going to do it, then you you do that consistently. The problem with what's happening in Alabama right now is that it's hypocrites. It's hypocritical because a starting wide receiver this year will be a guy named Chris Black at Missouri. Last year he was on Alabama's team. He's a guy who they allowed to transfer, and this argument of oh well the SEC doesn't want you going to other of schools within the conference, therefore we're just and you, you uh, uh, use it as an excuse. So we're just going to go along with the SEC rule. Well, that's fine. You're apparently going along with it with a, a defensive back that wants to go to Georgia, but you didn't do it with a wide receiver that wants to go to Missouri. So uh, if you're going to do it, be truthful and be consistent. Don't don't give a reason.
reason that's that's not the truth, and don't apply the rule arbitrarily. And um, I think it's you know, it's 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 unfair uh, to do that. And I don't I don't have any problem if a coach does not want a player to go to another team in his own conference or to go to uh, or, or to go to somebody in the schedule. I understand that. However, I don't understand not being the tr- not telling the truth, and I don't understand being a hypocrite and applying the rule inconsistently. So that's uh, you know that's I'm, I'm kind of defending on one side and not defending on the other side. But I, I you know if, if that's what the if that's what the procedure is, then follow the procedure okay. and, uh, and and don't don't uh, give an advantage to one player and cheat another player. Okay, I want to give another another example of that, that that I don't understand. And there was a quarterback that was visiting Auburn, but he was at Baylor, and you would think that if, with the dumpster fire that is Baylor football, that he would be eligible when he left, but that is like all the recruits that had signed with Baylor. They are allowed to get out of their scholarship and go somewhere else. So they've never been to Baylor a day. So they're, they're, they're just signed in February. They signed their national letter of intent, and then everything went down with Art Bryles. But if you're a current player on that team and you wish to leave, uh, and I can't remember the quarterback's name, but he visited Stiddle. the SEC. His name is Stiddle. But he would have to sit out a year. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Um, and, and you know, the only occasion I remember where they just across the board said you can go play wherever you want to was the Penn State situation. Yes. Now that's, and that's a unique deal, uh, similar in a sense, but uh, but its own unique deal. And, and I think the – while you cannot defend what was going on at Penn State, I think a bad precedent was set with Penn State because Penn State was given, and, and you see that those penalties were shortened and modified after the dust cleared and there's a little bit of time for the emotion to get out of it. Um, I think it was a bad precedent to say that a school is uh, kept off television, kept out of bowls, uh, eliminated from, from the scholarships, all this kind of stuff, over something that had no competitive advantage. Certainly they should have been punished for what happened. But my understanding of the way that rules are uh, that affect scholarships and affect going to bowls is you're punishing someone that has given themselves a competitive on-the-field advantage. They've allowed players to stay in school that shouldn't be there. they played schools that uh, players they knew were ineligible. Uh, they gave illegal inducements to players to come to the school. And I think you should throw the book at schools that have a have a track record of doing that, but with the Penn State situation, you had something that had nothing to do with competitive advantage, it had nothing to do with players on the field, not breaking any NCAA rules, just breaking the law. And you can't defend breaking the law. And if if somebody looks at breaking the law and and uh, closes closes puts a blind eye to it, then obviously there's got to be repercussions for that. But uh, I'm I'm not sure, but what it being kind of a unique maybe first type experience. Um, maybe they didn't really think through the uh, the ramifications of what they did to Penn State and the precedent that it set. So it, it may be that it's some some uh, you know some fallout from that because they did allow, in my memory, Penn State players to just say, okay, we're getting out of here and, and go immediately play for other teams. And maybe they looked at it and said that's that's not a good precedent to set. We need to we need to let it be the same rule um, across the board for everybody. Uh, in you know, uh, if they're if they're similar circumstances, and and while while the uh, the Baylor situation, I, I don't think has reached the level, and I've, I've I have read what's in the media. I haven't talked to anybody out there other than one guy that's a, a Baylor guy I've talked to, but um, but it was it was of a harassment, uh, 
sexual nature that a lot of this uh, problem developed at Baylor, and it, it may be that the, that the lesson of Penn State uh, impacts in some way the, the way that those things will be approached. Well, you know what? Uh, our listeners know that you finished at Auburn, and I did as well. I must ask you, you know, the Tigers, once known as running back you, you lose uh, Peyton Barber, turn pro, Rock Thomas transfers, and then the guy that looks to carry the football, Javon Robinson, is uh, dismissed from the team. Does uh, Gus Melzahn have uh, anyone else on the plane to carry the football? Yeah, uh, this is going to kind of sound stupid, but the dismissal of Jerron Robinson, as good as he was, and he was a five-star player, he was the number one junior college running back in the country, uh, so I'm not diminishing this. Uh, He was their best breakaway threat, at least at this point. But uh, the loss of Jerron Robinson is really not going to make any difference at Auburn because if if Auburn Auburn has enough running backs that are four-star All-American players that they're good good running backs – and they can get the job done. Uh, Javon Robinson was not the only guy that they had. Auburn's situation, as it is with a number of schools, is their quarterback. If Auburn gets a quarterback that can run that offense, then they've got running backs that can win if they've got an effective quarterback. If Auburn does not have a quarterback that can run that offense, they could have, they could have two Javon Robinsons in the backfield, and they, and they wouldn't win. I think you're in a similar situation with a good many schools, um, you know, Alabama, uh, for one, we're talking about them, uh, uh, you know, the, the Florida, Kentucky, uh, Allen. Will, will Brandon Allen's brother work at Arkansas? Fitzgerald, will he be able to replace Dak Prescott? Uh, which guy's going to step forward at, uh, at South Carolina? You know, will, which, which Luke Del Rio will be playing for, uh, playing for Florida? Uh, which of the three quarterbacks at Alabama's going to work? Which of the three quarterbacks at, uh, at Auburn's going to work? Um, you know, it's just across the board. I don't remember a year when we had this much quarterback uncertainty three weeks before the kickoff of the season. And I think the majority of these schools, their offense is going to live or breathe, uh, live or die by, uh, by what happens to quarterback. And I'm not minimizing the loss of Javon Robinson. I mean, he's, a, he's a, obviously a very good player. Uh, but uh, Auburn's got three or four other four-star all-state running backs that, uh, that certainly can get the job done if there's a quarterback that can run that dual-threat offense the way that, uh, that Nick Marshall did and before him Cam Newton. If they've got a quarterback that can do that, uh, Auburn's got good enough players to, to be a contender. Uh, if they don't have a quarterback that can do it, um, no matter how good the running back is, it's not really going to make it, you know, a whole lot of difference. Well, I tell you what, talking to Lynn Scarborough from uh, Lindy's Magazine, Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. Lynn, I will tell you that uh, one thing about it, of course, no one's going to give – Nick Saban or Gus Malzahn, any recruiting advice, but I will tell you that the best two quarterbacks come out of high school in Alabama, one's playing at Jacksonville State and the other one's playing down in Hattiesburg at Southern Miss. No, that's right. There's no question. You know, if, uh, if either one, um, if, if those teams could bring in, let's say uh, give, uh, give the Jacksonville State quarterback to Auburn and give the Southern Miss quarterback to Alabama, let, uh, let Mullins be the guy there and let Eli Jenkins be running Auburn's offense, uh, both of those teams are national championship contenders. Uh, now, I know we're saying Alabama's a championship contender now, and it is, but Alabama's got three or four ball games that they could lose. Uh, and, and if they do, it'll be because, or, or certainly partially because, the, uh, the quarterback uh, is not going to be able to, to, uh, to carry the load in some really big games away from Bryant-Denny Stadium. And uh, I feel like if, if Eli Jenkins was running Auburn's offense, um, I, I, honestly, I'd have him as a top-ten team right now if, uh, if Eli Jenkins was running their offense. So I, I think you're right, and it's uh, it's just a critical year for quarterbacks around the Southeastern Conference, with the exception of Josh Jobs at Tennessee and Chad Kelly. I think Brendan Harris at LSU um, 
nobody has proven himself as a consistent winner on the team where he's playing. Uh, A&M's a little bit different. They got Trevor Knight, and um, you know Alabama fans will, will remember Trevor Knight not too fondly because he, he beat them pretty soundly, and uh, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. Um, but uh, he also got beat out. Now he got beat out by an uh, All-American caliber player, but he still got beat out on his own feet on his own team uh, after he was you know autumn, just assumed was going to be the leading guy. He ends up being a substitute and leaves school. So you know. Trevor Knight was very good. They got uh, uh, Keith Ford that was that was Oklahoma's running back. So, you know, if, uh, if Texas A&M wins, they're going to be doing with Oklahoma's backfield. That's exactly right. Go to Lynn Scarborough from uh, Lindy's Magazine. Who has the job right now in Tuscaloosa, Cooper Bateman? Yeah, they're saying Cooper Bateman. I'll, I'll tell you just an observation from people that I've talked to, and I have not been to a practice at Alabama or at Auburn, and I won't be going to one. Um, they've, got a, they've got a five-star high school quarterback named Barnett, uh, I think Blake Barnett, and um, and I'm told by a number of people that he's their best quarterback. Now, uh, Lane Kiffin's not going to come in and, and play a true freshman quarterback that they'd probably like to redshirt uh, in the first ball game against Southern Cal. I mean, it's just you know it's not going to happen. But I could foresee a situation where if the if the if Cooper Bateman and, and the other guys competing with him don't get the job done, um, you know I don't think they're crazy enough that if they're not getting the job done with with those guys. That if they've actually got the most talented quarterback they got is a freshman, that they give him a shot. And you got a similar situation at Auburn. You got quarterback Woody Barrett, who I, I believe is from Louisiana, isn't he? Woody Barrett. He's uh, he, he was the you know third or fourth best quarterback in the country by the ratings last year. He started in the Under Armour All American game, and I have been told by people that Woody Barrett. Uh, may be the best quarterback at Auburn, and particularly for running the dual threat offense, because he, that's the kind of quarterback that he was. But they very much want to redshirt him. I mean, so both of these both of these teams, Alabama and Auburn, both have a uh, four star, five star All American quarterback that I've been told may be the best uh, athletes at the at the position on their teams. Uh, but but you know, nobody wants to come in and play now. Uh, Georgia may. Uh, I, I don't think he'll start the first ball game, but uh, Jason Jacob Eason. Uh, is is was the number one quarterback in the country last year, and and they of course are bringing in a, a new staff and new offense and uh, and and don't have an established a proven established quarterback. I don't think Eason will start the first game against North Carolina. I think going up against Carolina and Gene Chizik's offense is of uh, defense uh, would would be an unfair challenge to throw Eason to in that very first game. But you've got some you got some very talented uh, freshman quarterbacks on teams, uh, some of whom I think will play. I, if I think if Alabama and Auburn had their had their druthers, that uh, their two All-American freshman quarterbacks would would be registered this year and not play. But will yeah, Woody, Woody Barrett from Orlando uh, at Auburn and, and Blake Barnett six four and a half uh, is from uh, California. So interesting to watch that. I think I think I think you look at uh, if Cooper were to struggle at Alabama, that they would turn to Blake before Auburn would turn to Woody because they what's the uh, you got still got Jeremy Johnson and the. Seth White, I believe, at Auburn still. Sean, Sean White. Sean White, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, th- I think that uh, say I, you don't bring in a junior college All-American to sit on the bench or to come in and occasionally play Wildcat. I mean, you look at what Auburn did when they brought in Cam Newton. Uh, you know, look what they did when they brought in Nick Marshall. They brought in those guys to play. And I, I think if a guy's been a junior college All-American, uh, he's not going to come into a, to a program and say, oh, i got one year or two years left. And I'm uh, I'm going to come in so I can sit on the bench and play occasionally. I'm, I'm sure that Franklin came in thinking, probably not with a promise of it, but I think Franklin came in thinking that he would that he would be the guy. And I think Auburn brought him in thinking he would be the guy. 
Um, and if that turns out to be the case, I, I cannot imagine with them having uh, Jeremy Johnson and Sean White, both of who have played, that they would burn a redshirt year. That they would they would let uh, let Woody Barrett redshirt and and then be uh, have his his freshman year be next year when when by their way of thinking John Franklin would be third year uh, of the last year quarterback. And I think Alabama same situation. If Cooper Bateman could get the job done, I mean Cooper Bateman was a a, a top ten quarterback in the country out of Utah. He was a player yeah. of the year in Utah. This is a guy that's very good. and he, he came from a long distance, but you know last year he wasn't too successful. You know his game against Mississippi that he started was a disaster. And uh, and he he was not extremely impressive, and other times he was out there, and uh, but but he's you know he's the most experienced guy that they've got, so you know so we'll see. But I do agree. I think Barnett would be more likely to play than uh, than than uh, Woody Barrett. But uh, I I think both both schools, if they get their choice, are going to have those guys be redshirted All Americans. All right, there's going to be a strange question because you just started texting me last year, and I know you're on Twitter, but you've never tweeted not I've one never time. Never tweeted, uh, but I am I am texting more now. You are texting more, and you're on Twitter, but you don't tweet. I don't tweet. No. Do you have Netflix? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, I know what you're going to ask me about that uh, that junior college show, and and you're going to be the third or fourth por- third or fourth person that's told me either get Netflix or get that show. There's okay. a great show about junior college transfers, about uh, last last chance. University or whatever. Uh, okay, Lynn. I, I do tend to look at it because I've heard. No, no, you don't, Lynn. I'm because here's the deal: your Hueytown, Alabama, Deacon ears may not can handle the language that is used during the show. I've heard. I've heard it's pretty raw. That it, uh, that they put no, the mic down there and They want to give you the, the true story of how things were. Let's just say, yes, it is. I would pretty raw. No, it's raw. And Lynn, here's that. Here's the only thing I will say about it outside from a football perspective. And we had a, we actually had one of the players from the team on the show earlier this morning. Yep. Is the fact that uh, James Franklin III, if the eggs for Auburn's quarterback yeah, John, future John are Franklin, put in, right. John Franklin, yeah. Yep. John Franklin III, if the eggs are put in that basket, he tends to fumble the football quite a bit. Maybe well, I don't think show. the handling of the ball is going to be the problem. I, I talked to one of our coaches last week uh, at Auburn, and, um, and his passing accuracy in, in short yardage situations or when you know you're going to have to pass. He's fast. He runs the dual threat well. He's got a cannon of an arm. And, and in, um, in, a, in a game situation, I don't think they're worried about him handling the ball in, uh, just from what I've talked. But they are concerned about his passing accuracy. When, uh, you know, when it's third and 11 and you've got to get 12 yards and everybody knows you're going to pass and they're going to double cover your receivers, uh, is he able to, to thread the needle and accurately throw the ball? And I, I think that it's their thought that at this point he has not proven he can do that. And um, and if you don't have to if you don't have to uh, worry about what your quarterback's going to do, then look how your offense is going to be limited. And I'll give you three examples. Last year, Florida they lost their quarterback. Uh, they end up with losing now. Who was their backup quarterback? Their offense at the end of the year. Uh, Florida was one of the worst teams in the conference last year. At the end of the year, there were only three or four teams worse than Florida. They were, them playing in the championship game was a fluke. Um, Texas A&M, uh, they have the two really outstanding uh, All-American quarterbacks. Both of them leave, so their third-string guy ends up having to play the last part of the season, and they were bad. Their offense was bad. And Auburn, uh, they end up they lose they lose six ball games, but four of them were just by a touchdown. They were close games, and in every one of those games, Auburn's inside the ten-yard line. And, and their quarterback can't make the play. He can't make the throw. He can't make the run to do it. How many people think that uh, if Auburn had gotten that close to the goal with Nick Marshall or Cam Newton at quarterback, that they wouldn't have scored and, and won the ball game? 
I think the quarterback last year was the difference in Auburn winning seven games and being a 10 or 11 game winner. And uh, there's your three examples right there, Florida, A&M, and Auburn, whose offenses did not meet their potential because they didn't have the quarterback that could pull the string. And, um, and I, if the, again, if, if, if teams don't have quarterbacks that can run their offense, I think you're going to end up with more very average seasons from some of those teams. Well, I will just tell you this, uh, Lynn, in closing, that the next, the, the next time I see uh, Mr. Franklin complete a, a deep pass, it will be the first one because I've watched the uh, watched most of the uh, series now, and it is very good, and I recommend to all our listeners to go watch it but uh, send the kids into the other room because they might hear a few words you don't normally say around the house. Yeah, I don't think good. we're going to be able to play that uh, at the youth meeting there at your church where you are. Now, I don't think it will be. Uh, no, you're exactly right. But you know what? We're talking all this football. Tell us what is uh, going on at Lindy's now. Uh, today I will be editing the uh, basketball stories for the ACC, the Big East, and the Atlantic 10. Uh, turn those in tonight. Tomorrow I'll do the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Uh, one week from today, our college basketball magazine will be uh, virtually completed. Uh, the next week, the NBA edition will be. And we'll send both of those magazines to the printer uh, in about two weeks. So both of, our co- both of our basketball magazines will be sent to the printer before the first football game kicks off. So that's the way it is with us. You know, we do our, our college football magazine goes on May the 1st, and, um, and we still got three more weeks of SEC season ahead. So if you look at our picks and they don't make a lot of sense, give us a break because we're doing it months in advance. Hey, certainly appreciate it. And appreciate all of you. Lynn takes you to 10 as promised here on the Nick Brown Show. Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes, on Stitcher, or at redpeachsports.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.